Cover two. Welcome, everybody, to the Cover 2 Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm here with my man, Hooman. How's it going today, Hooman? Hey, Will. It's going really well. Uh, Glad to be here with you this week after our mock draft last week and uh, ready to talk about some league startups and some basic league functions here with you. Yeah, so we're just going to go through some some things about what kind of league that you want to start, what you should do, and how to make that league the best league possible for you and all of your friends slash people in the league. So why don't we get started? Yeah, this is this is a pretty important thing. This is the time of year where people are getting ready to, you know, they're either looking for new leagues or they're getting ready to get their setting set for their continued league. And this is where you could make those changes, uh, especially this season. I know we're going to talk about in this episode where we are transitioning to an NFL season that's going to be extended by one extra game. So obviously we want to talk about you know, changing your league settings for playoffs, um, and then other things, you know, some of the different things that we're going to talk about as far as scoring, points, uh, how many teams you have, all those things are the types of things where you want to get done right now in the spring or going into the summer, uh, especially with a startup league or a dynasty league. Very true, and you just brought that in. So you can do three different types of leagues. You know, we obviously have the regular draft leagues that is, you know, what everybody usually does. Auction leagues, which are interesting and fun. And then, of course, dynasty leagues where you want to – the people that you get in that league, you really want to make sure that they're good to go because it can ruin everything if somebody gets out. Um, so that just goes to who's inv- who are you inviting. You want to have some people that you're friendly with, some people that you know, some people that you know love football and are going to play the game and play it the entire season. That's a big point there, and that's, I think, the biggest thing that I can advise is when you are putting together a league, your league mates, they need to be people that you know are going to be consistent. Um, Especially, I mean, some of you guys may not be playing for money out there. You may just be playing for fun. But I would would venture to say that the majority of fantasy leagues have a pot, right, A, a cash pot that people play for. Um, you know, get, making sure you have people that are reliable as far as being able to send their money straight away. You should, you should not have someone enter a league without paying their down payment right away. Um, you need to have people that are committed to playing for a full season because if you have one owner that, you know, they're half invested or they're not really playing, that, that's going to alter the dynamics of the league for the entire season. It's going to, uh, give a team that's playing against them a possible win that could change playoff seating. Uh, it affects free agency waivers. It, it's a big deal to have people in the league that are not active and it's just not a good, it's not a good experience to have. Yeah, very true. And, and for you as the commissioner of this league, you know, you're going to have to to bear the brunt of it. If somebody gets out, you might have to take over their team and you kind of are playing two teams. I've done that before in the past and you kind of don't want to be the person that says, okay, well, I'm going to beat this team this week with this one squad or that one squad. That's why you want to know who you're inviting. And you want to make sure that, like like you said, did you have these committed players? So if you have 12 guys and you see one guy that might not be as committed, drop down to 10. You know That way you know for a fact that you have enough guys. But 10 to 12 teams, you want to go farther than that, you can. But 10 to 12 is probably the money area. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, real quick question for you, Will. Of the three-ish formats, popular formats with a redraft league, 
uh, a dynasty league or uh, let's not even go with auction because that that really has to do with just the draft format but let's then go with the keeper league so redraft keeper dynasty what what's your preference of those three types of leagues well i haven't really played many dynasty leagues i've, I've played one and unfortunately i didn't have a good base or commissioner that could keep the league going um so for me i'm a big fan of the draft leagues um you know i'm in an auction league as well where it obviously it is a basic league and i've done keepers i like keepers because if you have a, a group of people that again are playing every single year you get to redraft but you get to keep that one or two guys that you know got you the playoffs that got you that championship last year that are still really good that you can keep those people away um, from everybody else. So I enjoy the Keeper Leagues. And if people are, I think Keeper Leagues are pretty popular. It's one of my favorite types of leagues too. Um, I think that's another important thing to talk about is that if you are involved in a Keeper League, that as a league, you guys need to come to a unanimous decision or at least a consensus decision on how the Keepers are done. I don't think it's right to have a hoarding system where – I don't think you should have more than two keepers per season. Um, and with that even being said, I'm not a big fan of, you know, being able to hold on to them for life. I think that maybe you should keep one keeper in perpetuity and then maybe the other, the second keeper that you keep, it's almost like a lottery system of sorts where you may get to keep them and you may not, depending on which ones uh, come out. Yeah, very true. And, you know, going into that, you know, that's the biggest thing when you're getting ready for your season. Once you have your teams, once you have your your method of what you're going to do, Keeper League, Dynasty League, uh, just Draft League in general, you know, what is the schedule going to look like? You don't want to have a schedule that's off base, meaning you want to make sure that you either have divisions or you need to make it a free-for-all because the worst thing you can do is just make divisions and then not really talk about how many teams are going to get in the, into the playoffs. So that's the first thing I think you need to do after getting the teams. You say to yourself, okay, when's my playoff weeks? And then work backwards from there. I, I don't, and that's one thing I want to go ahead and interject here. I don't think when we're talking about playoffs and championship weeks, I don't think that should be something that's really a question for any leagues. I, if anyone is holding their championship on what was formerly week 16, uh, I'm sorry, week 17, which will now be week 18, um, you're doing it wrong. That, that should not be the championship week. We know that the NFL season, the final week of the NFL season, should not correlate with the championship season of fantasy. There's too many variables going on. Lots of players sitting, um, lots of teams resting players. Uh, there's just way too much on the line that you have spent an entire fantasy season to have your championship beyond that final week get it sorted out make sure that you have your league ending appropriately whether it's before the second to last week or on the second to last week of the nfl season uh total agreeance with you there and you know i know that there's a lot of leagues out there with, with the new schedule change that might not be that might be still going to the normal traditional time but i feel like you're losing out a week and two it's gonna still be the same process Week 18 will be like week 17. Week 17 will be like week 16. And week one would just be like a preseason week. Yeah, I, I mean, Will, you'd be surprised how many times I've uh, gotten in talks to joining leagues and finding out that they were pretty set on playing the full NFL season, having the championship on that final week. And 
that's where I'm just I'm Shark Tank. I, I I'm like for these reasons I'm out. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but like, how many teams? Right? How many teams get in? You really want to make it so as many teams as you want to get in. You don't want to make it so that like just like the college football season, or that they say they don't want to get too open it up to too many teams because it would ruin the the actual regular season. You don't want that. However, you want to still make sure that people have an opportunity to get to the next level um, so that they're not, you know, again, going back to the people you were inviting, they're not quitting early on you because they have a, a slow start. Well, so what do you think? If we're talking about a 12-team league here, where what do you think is an appropriate amount of teams to get in the playoffs? I would say either half to eight, so six to eight, just depending on your league. Um, you know, I think that the good thing that – um, I'm seeing in other leagues that I've been playing in is they do actually a same type of playoffs that our new NFL is doing. So seven teams get in, um, mm-hmm. one team gets the, the number one buy, and then the other teams play just like the actual playoffs in the NFL this last season. Yeah, what I'm most familiar with is, you know, an eight team with a 12 team league, an eight team playoff, top two get that buy, and you've got, you know, the middle six teams playing one another. I'm sorry, the last six teams playing one another to go on to the next rounds. Um, and, I, and I think that's a good setup. Either either half the league or, like you said, eight out of 12 of the teams. So, yeah, and, and then, of course, the next thing that I think is important before you even get to scoring is what's the tiebreaker look like? Not only for the actual games that are about to happen between the people during the regular season, but, of course... You know, who gets in the playoffs? You know, setting yourself up, you know, for not failing, basically, to get to that point and you, and you tell them, hey, this is how it works, and they don't know it going in, and then all of a sudden somebody gets, you know, misses the playoffs because of a tiebreaker situation. You really need to make sure that you're set with that. So two of the more popular tiebreaker formats in fantasy are, one, head-to-head matchup, and then two, uh, total points. Um Points for, not points against, but points for. Uh, I think this is a pretty controversial topic around fantasy leagues also as to what we use as the tiebreaker. Personally, I think the best indicator is points for. I think total points for should be the tiebreaker in that instance. I don't think head-to-head, we're not actual people out there playing against one another. It was a statistical anomaly for a week. I don't think that's the best... uh, data point to base a tiebreaker off of you know what i mean it's it's not like these two teams were actually playing one another uh, yeah i'm, I'm in total agreement with you on that because um in the last league i was in last year we had a team that lost one game the entire season and it was against the owen 12 team so it doesn't matter who wins who loses the one lost team uh lost to the one win team one week Bad weeks happen. You never know. Bye weeks, injuries, whatever. So you can't go off of that as well. I, yeah, that's I why I think in a tiebreaker situation, you should reward the team that's been consistently the strongest as far as re- that's what fantasy is. It's, you're trying to have a collection on your roster that accumulates the most points. And that should be the first tiebreaker, in my opinion. Agree. Well, then let's get to the number of starters. There are so many formats that you can do. You can do the super flex. You can do the one flex. You can do the double flex. You can do no running backs, all running backs and flex. I mean, you can do so many things. Um, you can have kickers. You can have defense. You can have neither. You can have defensive players. Uh, but what do you like to do, Human? 
I'm a bit of a traditionalist in this regard, aside from kickers. I, I think we can do away with kickers. I don't care about the kickers. I don't think they provide any sort of real fantasy relevance or excitement in watching the games. Um, that's the more modern way of thinking I have. But as far as the roster size, get your super flex out of my face. I, I don't want <laughs> nothing to do with a super flex. Uh, I don't want a two QB format. Uh, to me, a two QB format or a super flex, sometimes where it's regard you can start a quarterback, it, it dilutes the league. It, it dilutes your waiver wires. It, it takes away the strategy of streaming quarterbacks. It, it, you know, if you got a 12 team league and you're able to start two quarterbacks and you're going to keep an extra quarterback on your bench, that's 36 QBs right there. We, we've got 32 teams in the NFL. That, that, that's nonsense to me. Get the super flex out of here. Get two QB systems out of here. I like a one QB, two running backs, two wide receiver, one flex, one tight end. That's my go-to. And then a DST also. Gotcha. Well, I, I actually like the, the extra flex. Um, I agree with you about the super flex. It's, it's challenging because, you know, like you said, if you have that one week where either one quarterback's on the bye or you got one hurt and you didn't have a backup quarterback or you had that third string quarterback and they aren't playing well or not even starting anymore – um, now you're kind of, you know, you, you've lost every every momentum because the other guy's got two quarterbacks, and quarterbacks, as we know, are the most consistent scorers um, from week to week. So with that, you know, I, I say that, and then, of course, a couple weeks ago when I was playing the fantasy, in fantasy football, all I needed was two points got negative eight from a player. So you never know. Yeah, and I get I get the mindset and why some leagues do that because they're in the mindset of, man, more the more we have, the more players we have, the more offensive players we have, the more exciting it's going to be, which I get, but they're not really taking a look at it, the long-term effect of it. I mean, Will, do you like pizza? Of course. I could probably go and eat pizza three times in one day. I could probably eat – I love cold pizza. Cold pizza is great. I could eat cold pizza in the morning for breakfast. I could eat for lunch. I could eat it for dinner. But after a couple days of that, I'm going to get sick of it. And I think that's kind of the effect that has when you make these starting rosters so robust and you have the three flexes or two flexes, uh, or if you even have three wide receivers, two running backs, and then a flex, you're diluting your player pool to where, and especially, I mean, we've got benches here too. We haven't even really talked about that. If you have too deep, deep of a bench, it takes away the strategy of having a waiver wire, of having a free agency pool, of the strategy that's involved that's a part of fantasy football that is picking up free agents and starting them or having that availability to do that or blocking players from picking up a free agent they may need. And if people just have them all hoarded on their rosters, the game isn't very fun. No, I, I totally agree. And, and going back to what you said with the traditional format that you like, how many bench players do you ro roll with usually? Uh, I think six is a good amount. Six, six is where I'd be happy with. If you get a little bit over six, I think you're you're kind of pushing it too far. Um, five in some formats with a 12-team uh, league, I think would make it a little bit more interesting as far as you know, having to stay on top of the wa waiver wire, having to really be active in free agency. But I think six is kind of the good area to where 
it's a happy medium between both. I think anything above six in that instance, if you have a traditional uh, starting roster, is a little too much. I agree with you, and, and I like I like I said before I like the double flex, not super flex, but I like to have five bench players, so it kind of fits that same format: extra player starting, but same amount of bench in that way. Um, but what are we going to score with, right? What is it, what's going to come? You know, how are we going to judge our players? Because you know those running backs that we talk about, you know, early on in the last couple episodes. You know, they are running backs, but we have the number ones that usually go are always like the McCaffreys, the guys that actually catch the ball. So you really want to put PPR into effect so that you actually have a league that runs like the football, like football, like the NFL, because those catches are important um, to the scoring, I believe. And what do you think about PPR? Uh, Well, so we got three formats that you can go with. You've got, you know, just your standard scoring you've got half ppr which is pretty popular i think that's a happy medium for people that aren't a big fan of ppr but kind of want something a little different than just standard scoring and then you've got your full ppr i'm a fan of the full ppr i think that a wide receiver getting a reception is a valuable data point um and this is something that if you're looking to get into fantasy football or you're you've just started you really want to dive deep into it and really get involved this is an area that when you're looking to join leagues that you need to pay very close attention to because player ratings and drafting changes drastically, especially if you're talking about a standard scoring format where there's no PPR at all to a full PPR system where you have, if you're talking about 12-team draft, in your first round, you would have the likelihood of two or three wide receivers being drafted in the first round. If it's a non-PPR with zero points whatsoever for receptions, you may not see a receiver get drafted till the end of the second round. So you got to be really careful with understanding the formats and what you're getting into for scoring. I'm a big fan of the PPR. I think that's one of those aspects that does add a lot of excitement to the actual games that you're watching and the players that you're tracking. And it really makes some players relevant, especially in this day and age with football where there aren't very many teams out there anymore that have a single running back system that, you know, that's, that's getting 85% of their snaps where you're having a lot more of a running back by committee system where you do have third down specialists and pass down specialists as far as the running back position goes. And it makes those guys pretty valuable. Like this past season, a guy like JD McKissick was a valuable addition to your roster. He was a startable piece on your roster week in and week out based on his fantasy value for receptions. And I think that just adds a nice aspect to fantasy football by having that incorporated in there. I totally agree. It's because, you know, they they do affect the game. I mean, those little drop-offs to the backup running back or third down back is, is very important. And with scoring, you also have to think about what what the scoring who scores and how do they score like sometimes you have you get extra points if it's a 40 yard rush um a long touchdown uh you could also of course do um you know four points for a touchdown for a quarterback or six points for a touchdown by a quarterback i'm a big fan of everybody gets the same points if they get a touchdown so i'm always a big fan of getting six points for that quarterback what do you think i agree with you i i don't see why there are systems out there, platforms out there, or even like leagues that are going with a traditional scoring method or standard scoring method for quarterbacks. Uh, I, I don't see the 
reason as to why they are being penalized for throwing the pass as opposed to rushing it in. Um, I, I'm all about the quarterback. Every touchdown being worth six points. Um, I, I think that's a valuable piece. I would love to see maybe down the road. I, and also to kind of throw in their will. I don't. I don't mess around too much with the the fancy scoring systems there, as far as like this extra or that extra or. Uh, you know, hitting this milestone being an extra, I kind of go with what's standard in the platforms that you're using uh, and just tailor it to what your league wants. Um, I would love to see, and I'm going to ask you this, maybe one fantasy stat you'd like to see added. Um, I'd love to see a quarterback stat that doesn't penalize a quarterback for an interception. If it was a ball that was deflected. I think a deflected interception should not count against the quarterback for fantasy value. Um, I'd love to see that down the road become something that's available. What about yourself? Is there any weird stat out there that you'd like to see be tracked I, for fantasy? I'd actually like to see drops. You know, if a person drops the ball, wide receiver that is, they should lose a point, I feel like, because that's their job. Deb was going to game a point when he, get, when he was actually going to catch it. Um, so I think that's something big because, you know, these guys are professionals. We expect them to catch the ball, and when they don't, you know that's going to help or hurt you when you're drafting. Hey, Will, do you uh, like to yell at people when they get on your lawn? No. <laughs> uh, I, I'm with you there. I think one point is pretty harsh, especially if you're – we're talking PPR being the max 1.4 reception. I think a full point for a drop is pretty harsh. It, now, a drop is a – statistic that is tracked by the nfl so i that makes a seamless transition to fantasy where maybe half point or quarter point deduction i think would be pretty cool i agree i agree i agree i i do like the uh the first first down i should side i should say um stat um i like playing with that format where if somebody gets a first down they either get a half a point or full point because that is something that helps the team that helps you know get them closer to that touchdown so i am i enjoy the actual game itself and actually putting that into fantasy. I agree. I agree. I like uh, sometimes like we talk about the whole pizza, uh, you know, less is more, but sometimes more is more. And in some instances, things like that are a good addition. Well, let's get into the draft. Now we talked about the different types of drafts, you know, obviously you could do a live draft, which I, I very much of course encourage that to be, with you and your friends obviously um, last year it was harder to do that but an in-person draft is huge because you get to really think about your picks and maybe not on a, a true time clock but you're there hanging out and you're able to as the league commissioner put the draft in later um, you could also of course you know with people that are either out of town or whatever do it um, you know live on the internet um, but, you know, I enjoy the draft day, and I like to actually do it in person if possible. Yeah, I mean, we, we do fantasy because we love the sport. We love tracking the data. We love – I mean, it's it's kind of like gambling, right? We, we enjoy the, the game. We enjoy betting on our guy. But we like the camaraderie too. Um, and the draft is the one of the ultimate moments that you can kind of get together with your group of friends – uh, your league mates and have the draft and just have fun getting to know each other, giving each other a hard time. Uh, also, maybe if you're if you're in a keeper league or a dynasty league, you know, working out those trades 
in person. Like if you want to trade and jump up and get your guy and trade some of your later picks or futures for that, that that's the ideal time to do it. It's in person, have fun, build the community, have the camaraderie. And that, that that's the ultimate time to do that. Yeah. And you get to also have some fun with your team names. You know, obviously that's a big thing that you can find anywhere, find the craziest names, um, you know, for your team, for a player, um, or just in general, uh, I know that in some some leagues that people rename their team every single week to the team that they're playing, to a quick jab or to you know try to just make it fun each and every week. Yeah, that's that's a big part of fantasy is having some creativity with not only your team name but maybe even the league name, uh, different things that go on within the league, uh, different ways to make keep it fun. Uh, and this was something you had talked about earlier. I think you talked about keeping people motivated to continue playing. Uh, and I was going to toss it in there, but this seems like a more appropriate time to keep the league fun. And just one cool thing to do is to, and this is going to sound, sound like an oxymoron, but to incentivize someone not tanking. Um, because once you've kind of realized you're not going to make the playoffs, some people just check out. Uh, but that affects the league in a negative way when you do that because you're helping all the other teams we, you want league owners team owners that will continually play and continually try to win and not uh almost have a form of collusion with other teams and a way to incentivize that is with a uh punishment uh a lot of leagues and i condone this and i would love for every league to adopt this is to for the team that finishes or the owner that finishes in last place to have some form of punishment, whether it's, you know, a monetary punishment or what's more fun is like a, you know, they have to wear a certain shirt to work for the entire year or something like that to where it's a little bit of a humiliation. Uh, we like, you know, busting on each other as friends. And I think that's a good way to set a punishment to where, you know, you're not going to want to lose and you don't want to come in last place because you don't want to be that person that has to carry that, that punishment with them. Great. I mean, if you, and you haven't seen it, you should watch the league. Um, it was on uh, TV a couple years ago and they really did it up with the punishments, especially for last place. Um, and, you know, I have a league that I'm in that they actually, the top six teams rename the bottom six teams so that way you do have that you know push to get yourself out of the top out of the bottom six even if it's not your year uh, that's pretty cool i like that um but we talked a little bit about money leagues making sure you have a trophy i know in, in some leagues that that's hard to think and plan about but that's why at the draft it would be good for you guys to have that all out get the money in get the trophy, pay for the trophy, whatever it is when you're starting up, that way that it is something that everybody wants and, and needs to get at the end of the season. Yeah, money should be collected. This is actually the time of year as the league renewals are out and about and ready to be processed as the commissioner. Uh, before you renew the league, uh, it, that's when you get in touch with all the people in your league to collect to however you collect it, whether you keep it in you know in a, uh, an account or a league pool, or uh, there are different even services out there to store the money in. That it's, I think there's it's called League Safe, where it actually stores the money in there, uh, and you know that's not being messed with. To collect that money this time of year before the, we get to the point where we get to drafting, no one should be entering a league without having taken care of that. 
Agreed. Agreed. And, and that's, that is a struggle for you as a commissioner is to make sure that happens. Um, and sometimes it's a hard, t a hard thing to do, but you got to, to make sure it's even for all the teams in the league. Absolutely agree. Um, so we talked a little bit about trades. Um, in, in general, you're talking about, um, you know, we're there to make that trade up. I enjoy leagues in which you're able to, during the draft and during the season, offer trades for picks for your next draft because that incentivizes you to say, okay, this is not my year, but I'm going to get ready for next year. And it's not so much tanking as it is as making sure that the trade is fair and it's important to get that person a chance to win, but they're giving up a lot in the next year's draft. Yeah, and the kind of piggy tail or piggyback on that is that uh, if you're in a league, there, there's nothing worse than being in a league where no one wants to trade. Um, it makes the season so stagnant. You're going based off of just your draft and free agency, and it is boring as hell. Uh, if you're stuck in a league like that, you can get around, find leagues elsewhere. Um, but if you you are that person in a league that receives a trade and you let it sit in your inbox for weeks upon weeks, you're part of the problem. Decline it or counter. Uh, make something happen, uh, but don't just let it sit there as an outstanding pending proposal for so long. Get get involved, be involved, be active. Um, trades make the season fun, and obviously they do need to be mutually beneficial. Uh, you don't want to send ridiculous trade proposals. That's a quick way to kind of get uh, on the, the radar of teams to not trade with you at all, especially if you're trying to pull some nonsense with, you know, oh, hey, I'll send you – uh, you know, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette for DK Metcalf. Yeah. That, that's ridiculous. No no one wants that. No one's going to do that. They're, they're not even going to look at anytime they see your name come up in their inbox, they're going to delete it right away. Yeah, great. And, and with the trades, as you said, you know, thinking about as the commissioner, how is the trade going to go? Are you going to have where vetoes are allowed? Are you going to be able to show a statistic as the commissioner to say, okay, this trade is fair, this trade is not. Try to make it so it's fair for all because the worst thing they can do is, as you mentioned, if somebody is trading a lot and they're not getting the trades, they might be vetoing trades because they're upset. And again, yeah, it's bringing everybody into the league. That That's something I was going to chime in with. That I am not a fan and I am not a proponent of vetoes being a thing. I think that needs to be turned off <clears throat> in every league format. I do not think the commissioner should activate that function. I think the league should just be regulated by the commissioner. And you, you need, that's why you, whoever the commissioner is needs to be someone with high standards and that's going to run it well. Because if there is any sign of collusion, that is on the commissioner to take care of that. Um, I do not think, and like you said, that the league owners themselves should be able to veto because you do get hard feelings and you just start vetoing things because, hey, you see this team's doing something to improve themselves, which could knock you out of the playoffs. You're going to veto that. And that should not be your choice. If two teams mutually agree upon something and it is a pretty even trade, it should be processed through. Yeah, I 100% agree. And, you know, dropping a message when you're making that trade to just be like, hey, I want to be, you know, 
I, I want to make this happen. What can we do to make it happen? Making it so that you understand that you are playing with them and you want them to be as better best as you because no one's a best drafter. You know, you tried your best to draft the best players possible, but you, you don't ever have a perfect draft. So f make sure that you understand that you need to probably trade with at least once a year. I always do it much more than that, but at least once a year to try to get some fresh air, as you said, into your team. Yeah, and I think I've mentioned this before. I mean, the draft is obviously the start of the season. It's where you make the foundation of your team, but fantasy seasons are not won in the draft. Um, it is by being active in free agency and making trades and making decisions that suit your team after that fact. Um, you can't predict a draft perfectly. And I've had some seasons where I've actually won the league, and I think I had maybe three players left on my roster in a redraft league that I drafted, um, which, you know, isn't a great thing to tout, but you know, you got to be active. You got to make those changes. You got to stay active in free agency and you got to try to make those viable trades when you can. Agreed. Well, let's, uh, let's get into, um, you know, after you've gotten that draft done, you, you're ready for the league to start, you know, you've got your schedule set um, with the divisions, Hillman, because we talked a little bit about it, what kind of setup do you like division-wise with a 12-team league? Uh, I like a 6-6, six and six, two, two divisions of 6. Um, I don't – I'm not a huge fan of divisions personally. I, I'm in a couple leagues that do split it by divisions. Uh, I prefer just a large pool of 12 teams where, you know, your top eight teams make the playoffs. That's, I think – the more traditional way of doing it and I'm not a huge fan of the divisions. I'll do it. I mean, in, I'm involved in, in a league like that, but it's not my preference. My preference is just do a one through 12 standings and your top eight make the playoffs and that's it. Well, I really hope that you guys got a little bit of information about, you know, starting your league. I hope that you are, you know, gearing up for this season, making sure that you put, uh, time in now so that the time before the draft and you've got your people all set way before uh, OTAs are done. Yeah, um, I, I think this is the time to get those settings ready uh, as we go in through the summer here with those, you know, those camps coming up, starting to get your, if, if you're really deep into fantasy, you're probably grading players for the coming season right now, kind of making projections and rankings and, Will and I are going to be doing a little bit of that over the summer too and getting with you guys. Uh, maybe starting to do some more mock drafts also, uh, you know, and seeing how this summer goes. And we do have, you know, some news that came out yesterday uh, about Julio Jones and kind of what we had talked about, Will. He wants out. He's probably going to be out after June 1st and finding that landing spot and what it's going to do to the, the fantasy ramifications it's going to have. Uh, obviously, Calvin Ridley, if you are a Calvin Ridley owner right now, that is awesome news for you because his stock is going to skyrocket. And Will, for you, your projection with Kyle Pitts, I think that's going to help his value also. Um, those are the types of things you need to be keeping an eye out on over the summer as we get closer and closer to the season starting. Speaking of keeping an eye out, we have been keeping an eye out on our listeners out there, and we know that Topeka, Kansas – We've got some diehard Cover 2 fans out there. We see you. We hear you. Uh, we adore you. Keep listening. Uh, Will's going to give you all that information as far as liking, sharing, and all that. 
And then also one of our special friends, Tracy, we know that you listen every episode. You're probably our number one fan. We appreciate it and we adore you for that. Well, like Huben said, make sure to check us out on Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and of course, YouTube. And like always, cover two. Cover two.